0: that is for
1: To fix any situation, that all we have to do is lay it at your feet. To place it before you. And what you do, what only you can do. You're the beginning and the end. You're everything. And this morning, as we, we talk about the name above all. And we have a lot of names that we serve in our personal lives. But I pray this morning that you will break that yoke. That we lay everything at your feet. Your name is the only one that matters. You're the name of all.
2: above every name that at that name every knee must bow every tongue must confess that at that name the demons must flee the name of Jesus and when we look at the bigness of God when we can get into our minds that he Holds the entire world in the palm of His hand. That's the God that we're singing about. The God that can see right where you are. The God that knows exactly what you're going through. That's the God we're singing about. And you may have walked in here this morning with everything in turmoil in your life. But the God that Nick is singing about is still great. The God that Nick is singing about is still worthy of our praise. He says, no matter what, my heart's going to sing. I'm going to cry out, God, how great you are. How great is the God that was served. And as he sings that chorus one more time, I'm going to ask you to think about not about what you walk in here with. Not about what you're dealing with. Forget about that. You say, well, pastor, it's hard to forget about it. No, you forget about it and turn your focus to Him because to Him, what you're going through is nothing. That's how big he is. That's how great he is. His name is worthy to be praised. This place today. Amen and amen. How many people know that He's great and He's greatly to be praised? Uh, you can be seated. I want to. Uh, uh, as we started uh, back in, in uh, the end of May, something that we stopped doing was we stopped receiving offering as far as people coming down the, the aisles uh, to to take your money. Um, But as we begin to talk about that, we understand that that that's not just a ritual that we do. Uh, Giving is is worship. And and so as as we're here at this point forward, even though we're still not passing the the plate, uh, ours were bags, uh, even though we're still not doing that, worship is still happening. Uh, People are are still worshiping God, uh, either if it's online, if it is uh, in the, the boxes at the back, uh, people are still worshiping God because it doesn't matter what it looks like to God. The worship wasn't the act of walking down the aisle with, with a basket. Uh, the act of worship is is God, you saying, God, you have my heart. And so I want to, uh, and, and we know that something that we always pray uh, when, when we take the offering is that we need God to bless it. We need God to multiply it. We need God to, to help us to use it in a way that's pleasing To him, Uh, So right now, right where you're seated, I'm going to pray over the offering. And uh, before we do anything else, Father, I come before you this morning. God, I'm thankful for your blessings. God, I'm thankful that you have put us in a place, in a position uh, where we can bless this community. God, I thank you for those who faithfully give. God, and I pray that that as going forward, Father, that that you will, will have all of our heart. And, Father, that as we worship you with our tithes and with our offerings, Father, that you will see that as as what it is, God, it's worship. God, we don't do it out of ritual. We don't do it because we have to. God, we do it out of a heart of love. God, I pray that you will help us as a church uh, to to take what's given. and God, that you will multiply it and that you will help us use it for the upbuilding of your kingdom. God, that lives can be touched. God, that, that, that lives can be changed. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Somebody say amen. 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 Uh, So the the second thing that that we started doing uh, when we started this church here, we started filling out a connect card every week. And you say, what's a connect card? Uh, That was a card where we connect. Uh, No, it is a card where you can put your name and, and, and that kind of stuff. And the reason that we do that is because we want you to know that you're more than a number, you're a name. I could have somebody up in the sound with, I told you last week, just, you know, counting every head that was here. Uh, but that's not what matters to me. That's not what matters to, to us as a church. Uh, we want to know you on a personal level. We want to know that you're here. If you missed two or three weeks, we want to know that you're gone. Uh, because as much as I would like to say that I'm perfect, um, there's people that will testify that I'm not. And, uh, and so I try to see everybody, but, you know, somebody could miss a couple of weeks, and then just I'll be sitting somewhere, and it's like, man, you haven't seen them. And so then I feel like I'm two weeks late uh, in texting and saying, we missed you. So this is a way. So now, if you don't fill one out and then you miss a few weeks and you don't get a phone call, it's all on you. You don't get a text message. It's all on you. Uh, but what we need is, is, so today, everybody have a cell phone? Even if you're watching online, do this for us. If you have a cell phone, take it out and say, Pastor, that's not spiritual. I'm telling you it is. Connection is spiritual. The church is, is not just here so that we can come in and get our tanks filled. Uh, It is about community. It's about doing life together. And uh, so if you will take out your phone and text the word here, H-E-R-E, to 606-220-6111. 606-220-6111. If you will do that, that will help us uh, tremendously. I promise nobody's going to show up on your doorstep, not even going to ask you for any more information. Uh, not yet. Um, but if you're in our system, you won't hear anything else except, you know, thank you for being here. Uh, but we just want to be able to, to know that you were here, and uh, we love you, and we miss you when you're gone. So last week, we started a 21-day fast last Sunday. And Every year for the last, uh, every January for the last four years we've done this. And um, it's something that we do because we're saying, God, at the beginning of this year, I'm willing to set aside uh, something that that means a lot to me. Something that, that I want to set aside to let you know that I'm focused on you. And so during these 21 days, we're asking God to breathe on us. Because the breath of God is what gives life. The breath of God is what brings us alive. The breath of God brought Adam alive. And we're asking God, God breathe on us. And during this time, we are passionately pursuing Him. We're not fasting out of performance, but we're doing it out of passion. Uh, We talked about last week. The one thing that you cannot give people, the one thing that, that you can't give them is desire. You can't give them passion. It's something that that you have to want. It's something that you have to cultivate. And our lives have become so loud with everything just beating down on us. That we talked about last week that that we need to get to a place of solitude. Uh, We need to get to the mountain of God where we can hear from Him. This week I want to talk about leaning in to touch Him. Last week we leaned in to hear Him. This week we're leaning in to touch Him. In Mark chapter 5, there are two miracle touches. And there's a miracle basically within a miracle. And so here we are. Jesus is coming to a region that He had visited before. He had been there. And He comes to this region... And a ruler meets him by the name of Jairus. Now Jairus, he's the head of the synagogue. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. How many people know that, that, that when your child is sick, there's something that's just different about that? You're worried about them. So you can imagine. He comes to Jesus, leader of the synagogue, and he says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Would you come touch her? Jesus, my daughter is dying. If you would touch her, I believe that she will live. I believe that she will be made whole. And Jesus said, I'll come. He said, I'll come. There's something about Jesus. If you ask Jesus to show up, He will. If you ask Jesus to show up, He will. You say, Pastor, I've been praying. I've been seeking His face. But I can't feel it. I don't feel like He's showing up. The situation hasn't been changed. When Lazarus died, Mary and Martha, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you need to come touch Him. But what happened? Jesus didn't come on their timetable. They thought Jesus was late. Jesus didn't come when they thought He should. And in your life, when you're praying, when you're asking God to show up, it may not be on your time, but He'll come. It may not be when you want Him or think He should show up, But if you ask Jesus to show up, He will. Don't give up praying. Don't give up believing because He's coming. Don't give up under the the weight of the world. He's coming. So here we have Jesus and we have Jairus. And they're headed to Jairus' house. Now, Jesus has been to this region before, so so he's no stranger to these people. He starts to walk to Jairus' house, and as he does, the crowd starts to gather around him. The word begins to spread, Jesus is back. I mean, they they weren't able to put it on a billboard, you know, coming in two days, Jesus. but, But when he got to town, Word began to spread. Jesus is in town. The same Jesus that they knew about. They knew that that people were following him. They knew that he was healing the sick. They knew that he was raising the dead. They knew that he was putting religious people in their place. Jesus is in town. So they, they, they start to gather around him. So there's this great mob of people. And one of the people in that crowd is a woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years for 12 years she had been suffering now according to to levitical law a woman that is bleeding is unclean she's ostracized from her community she's isolated and here she is she has had this problem for 12 years can you imagine I mean, I get tired of dealing with with a headache after 12 minutes. And I'm thinking, God, when are you going to show up? I can't take this anymore. Some people might say I'm a baby. <laughs> but she had been dealing with it for 12 years. She has to be weak. She has to be overwhelmed. She has to, to be filled with shame, wondering, what did I do to, to cause this? Why is this? on me. Can you imagine living in a place where everywhere that you go, that people are staring at you, saying, there they are. Stay away from them. There they are. Man, they've got issues. There." They- can you imagine living with that for 12 years? So I can imagine by this point she is desperate. She is desperate. And she says, if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. If I can just get to Jesus, he'll fix this problem. She's desperate. So in Mark chapter 5, we have two different touches. We have Jairus, who needs Jesus to touch his daughter. And we have this woman who needs to touch Jesus. So here she is. She works her way through the crowd. And she comes up behind him and she says, If I can just touch the hem of his garment, my life will be changed. And so she reaches out and she touches it. When this happens, Jesus stops. And he says, Touch me. Now the disciples, pretty much in 2021 terms, said, Jesus, you're crazy. Do you see how many people are gathered around you? They've been touching you ever since you walked in town. How are we supposed to know? They probably said, just just pick one. Everyone's been touching you, bumping up against you. We can't keep them away. And Jesus understands. He said, I know that, that everyone is touching me, but this touch was different. Amen. He said, somebody has touched me in a way that no one else ever has. He said, I felt power go from me. And the Bible tells us that the woman who had touched him felt that power go through her. She could tell that something had happened physically in her life. She knew that she had been made whole. Can I tell you that God still does physical miracles? The world wants you to believe that miracles have stopped. But I can tell you that God is still alive. God is alive and He's well. And He wants to touch each of you no matter what your situation is. So Jesus... Says, who touched me? Immediately, this woman, because she had felt the same thing, she knew that he was talking about her. Now, she's probably thinking that she's about to be reprimanded. She's probably thinking, oh, no, I knew I shouldn't have done it. I'm getting ready to, to get scolded right here in front of everybody. And the Bible says that she came and she fell at his feet, She said, it was me. It was me. And Jesus looked at her. And he said, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Be at peace. He said, your faith has made you whole. Can you imagine what she must have been feeling? 12 years of what she had been going through, and just in a moment, she was healed. So, while all this was going on, and the crowd no doubt was in amazement, in that moment, someone from Jairus' house ran to him to tell him, Jairus, it's too late. Jesus is too late. Your daughter, she's not breathing. She's dead. Now imagine what must have been going through Jairus' mind. Imagine what he had to be thinking. My little girl, she's dead. They said, Jairus, you don't need to bother Jesus anymore because it's too late. It's over. It's done. It's finished. And Jesus says, that's all right. You just keep believing. He said, your daughter will live again. Why could he say that? Because Jesus knew that one touch from him can make dead things come to life. One touch. So they go to the house. Jesus looks at her and says, "Oh, she's not dead, she's just asleep. Now they already thought Jesus, some people already thought the religious thought that he was a little crazy. And they look at this girl and they probably said, no, no, Jesus, I'm not a physician, but I can tell you she's not breathing. She hasn't been breathing for some time now. People probably laughed at him and said, she's dead, Jesus. Jesus pushes them out of the house and and he he keeps Peter, James, and John, his three trusted disciples. He takes the mom and dad. And the Bible says that he walks in and that he touches her. He speaks to her. And in that moment, she came alive. In that moment, life was breathed into her body. And what I want you to see from these two stories... Is that there are times when God comes to touch us. There are times that we need to touch Him. And there's a difference. You see, I don't think it was by accident that these two stories were put in the same passage of Scripture side by side. There are moments that He touches us. And then there are moments that we have to touch Him. You see, there's power in His touch. But here's what we fell into in society and in modern Christianity. We've been taught that God is omnipresent. And what that basically means is is that he's everywhere. So as we walk in our life, we know that he's with us. And a lot of times we become satisfied with just that. But there needs to be times in our life that He manifests His presence and He breaks through and He touches us. Or we break through and we touch Him. Because it's only, it's God's touch that makes His presence evident. Amen.
3: Yeah.
2: It's His touch. When Christy and I first met in college, we were talking about this the other night. And... Um, She likes to remind me of this every now and then, just to make sure I'm in my place. When we first met, here here she was, a 17-year-old freshman. I was an 18-year-old sophomore. And, And on that day in August of 1992, when I looked at her, there was just something different about her. Honestly, I knew that she was the one. Now, she wasn't quite as convinced as I was. But I had been in plenty of relationships up to this point in my life. But this was completely different. As a matter of fact, my parents came down one weekend shortly after, and they came to visit. I'd been telling them about her, and they came to Cleveland to visit. And when they met her, when they walked out, My mom looked at my dad and said, that's your future daughter-in-law. Now when I heard this story later that week, I I claimed it. I said, let it be. (laughs) But to be honest, this this relationship took me by surprise. I I wasn't expecting a a 17-year-old girl from Spring City, Pennsylvania, the north, a girl who didn't even know what biscuits and gravy were. Now, if you knew me during my college days, you know that I liked some biscuits and gravy. Never had them. Still hasn't to this day. Pray for me. But I wasn't expecting this to happen. But from the, from the moment that I met her, there seemed to be something different. So we started out by by spending a lot of time together. You know, we're just spending a lot of time. And I had friends who didn't like her. The reason they didn't like her was because the previous year, my girlfriend was over five hours away. So they didn't have to compete with anyone for my time. I know you're thinking, people really want to spend time with you? That's a different story. But now they weren't in the forefront. So here we are, and and we're together a lot, Christy and I were. We were together. We we ate lunch together. We ate dinner together. We we, we were always together. But there was never that public moment, that, that, that defining moment in public that made it evident that we were together. I would get questions all the time. Are you guys dating? And my answer was always politically correct. No, we're just hanging out. <laughs> and we'd be sitting somewhere. And guys, you know how it is. We'd be sitting somewhere, and our heart, my heart would be beating. And I would want to reach over and take her hand. But I was scared to death. So I wouldn't. I wanted to put my arm around her, but I didn't. I'd heard about people from the North. (laughs) (laughs) Me. You know how it was when you were dating. You were scared to take that step of just taking her hand. Your hands were sweaty and you'd wipe them and you'd think about it. But then there was this moment that I worked up all the courage and I reached over and I took her hand. And in that moment, the ice was working. Because I reached over and, and took her hand and she didn't push it away. She didn't look at me and say, what are you doing? We're just hanging out. But she held my hand back. And that was the defining moment. The defining moment was in the touch. And then when we were in public, we would hold hands, and people didn't have to say, "Are you together?" It was evident; people could see it. Up to that point, we had just been I, we had been satisfied with just being in each other's presence. But it was that touch that made it evident in my heart that said, "Maybe she likes me." It made it evident to everyone else, all of my friends, because in that moment they said, "Well, it's over." He's done. Finished. Never see him again. We had been together, but it had never manifested itself. And when you think about your relationship with God, we can't be satisfied just walking in his presence. We have to say, God, I need your touch. I need to touch you. Because it needs to be evident both to you And to the people around you that the presence of God is in your life. He wants you to know how much that he has for you. He wants you to to reach out and take his hand. And he wants to, to take your hand. And he wants you to know that he's alive. And that he has something that can change your situation. But you have to be willing to reach out and touch him. You have to be willing to let Him touch you. Let me ask you this question. When you think about your walk with Christ, and if you're following Christ right now, ask yourself this question, is there something missing with your experience with God? Is there something missing? When you think about your relationship with God right now, Have you been satisfied with just His omnipresence? Have you been satisfied with just the knowledge of knowing that He's everywhere? Have you and God just been hanging out? But when people look at you, they can't see His presence in your life. And they have to ask the question Is He a follower of Christ? Are they following Christ? God said, "If you will reach out and touch me, if you will let me touch you, my presence will be evident." Have you not had that that true experience with God, where His presence manifests in your life, where you become changed, one hundred percent changed, one hundred percent made whole? We all want to experience God's touch. We all want God to touch us. We have to be willing sometimes to reach out and touch Him. That's what this woman with the issue of blood was dealing with, but that's what she wanted. That's what Jairus was dealing with, but that's what he wanted. One touch from God, either Him touching you or you touching Him, will change your life forever. That's why we're fasting and that's why we're praying. It's not to get God's attention. But it's saying, God, I'm passionate about you. God, I want to experience you. God, I want to hear you and I want to feel your touch. I want to touch you.
3: Hallelujah! Yeah.
2: In order to do that, we have to press through some things. When we look at these two people in this story in Mark chapter 5, we have to to realize that Jairus had some issues he had to press through. Jairus was, was ruler of the synagogue. He was religious. And if you read through the Gospels, you know that the religious people, they didn't like Jesus too much. The religious people didn't believe he was who he said he was. But in that moment of desperation, Jairus had to to press through his religious ways. Now this woman, she had a whole different set of issues going on. She had to press through some of her secular ways. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible tells us that she had spent everything that she had Every last penny that she had, and she had not gotten any better. She had tried to fix it for herself, but she had not gotten any better. Now, now the Bible doesn't say this, but Jesus had been to that region, so it's quite possible that, that she didn't take the opportunity the first time he was in town. I mean, it's possible that she could have seen the crowd, but she could have looked at everything and said, I could never get to Him. You see, there's there's two types of people that have to press through. You have the secular people. They exclude God. And you have the religious people. They limit God. She excluded God. She was focused on doing it herself. She said, I can do it without God. I can do it in man-made ways. And can I tell you that that if you're of that opinion this morning, that I want to assure you, you cannot do it without Him. You can't be healed. You can't be saved. You can't be mended. You can't be made whole. You can't go to heaven without God. And then the religious... The Pharisees, they limited God all the time. you remember the story? There was a situation where, where they became upset uh, because Jesus told someone that their sins were forgiven. He said, who does he think he is? They tried to, to limit him. They tried to put him in a box. Some of us grew up thinking that, that, that the best thing that we could get from God was him just not striking us dead for being so stupid. Amen. We didn't grow up believing that, that God could bless us. We didn't grow up believing the religious ways would tell us that God couldn't heal us. That God couldn't use us because we were... Had a past. The religious and the secular. We have to break through it. God wants to touch you and God wants you to touch Him. Now, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. When we read this scripture, and we've always heard how important faith is, faith is absolutely important. You have to have it. He said without it, it's impossible to please Him. But the second part of that verse tells us that it also pleases God to reward us. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If that didn't please God, He wouldn't do it. He wants to bless you. He wants to touch you. He wants you to be whole. And faith is the way. It is the avenue for God's reward to get to us. So when you look at your situation, don't limit God. When you look at your situation, don't go it alone. Second question I have for you this morning is Are you willing to address what is dying? Are you willing to address what is dying? This woman had an issue. And she was dying. You know, sometimes we can see things in our life. We know that they're there, but we're not willing to address them. I've told this story before. My dad, is he is notorious. They'll be going down the road, and, and you can hear something wrong in the car something squealing something. it just sounds like it's going to blow up and my mom looked at him and said did you hear that and as he turns up the radio he said no I didn't hear a thing <laughs> why is that because he understands that if he addresses the situation you know what it's going to do it's going to cost him he can't fix it on his own So he's going to have to to, to take it to someone. He's going to have to pay them to fix it. So it's so much easier just not to address the situation, hoping that it's just going to go away. Man, we do that in our lives. We get up every morning and we know situations. We know that we're dying. We know that there's things in our life that that are just every day. Every day eating away at us. This woman, for 12 years, she had tried everything that she could. But you know what happened? The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 5, verse 26, that she didn't get better. Rather, she got worse. That thing that you're dealing with is not just going to magically get better. It's not going to get better without God. Sure, she was trying things, but day by day, she was dying. And she came to a point in her life where she said, you know what? I'm not going to get any better unless I can touch you. But if we continue to ignore what's going on in our life, what's wrong in our life, if we continue to try to to use secular ways to fix our problems, if we try to fix it on our own, if we continue to believe that God can't do it, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And day by day, you're going to die. You have to be willing to address what is wrong. Jesus didn't come to this earth for you to die. It's not his plan. He came so that you could have a life and that you could have it to the fullest. He came because he wants to touch you. He wants you to touch him. He says, lean in. Touch me. Lean in. Allow me to touch you. Say well, Pastor, what keeps people? I mean, sure, that sounds great. That's what we all want. What keeps people from doing it? Some people deal with shame, which is how that they see themselves, how I see me. And some people deal with scorn, which is what others think of me. This woman, first of all, she had to get past her shame. You know, back then it was common to think that, that that disease was on her because of something that she had done. Surely it has to be something that you've done to cause this. And she had to get past her shame. When she looked at herself, there's little doubt that she felt some shame. Even though there was nothing that she could do about it. There was nothing that she had done wrong. She felt shameful. She had to get past that. She had to say, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what's in my past. I don't care about the past 12 years. I've got to touch you." She had to get past scorn. Can you imagine walking everywhere that you went Everywhere that you go, if people are looking at you and saying, there they are, stay away from them. They've got problems. There they are. They're worthless. People devaluing you. I can only imagine some of the treatment that she probably received as she was trying to push through the crowd. They knew her they knew she had issues they knew that that she wasn't supposed to be touching them much less Jesus and can you imagine woman what are you doing have you lost your mind don't touch me get away from me there's no hope for you. Jesus can't change your situation. But in that moment, it didn't matter to her. She made up her mind. I'm tired of feeling shameful. I'm tired of the way I feel about myself and I don't care what people think about me. I want to be made whole. She could have easily decided She could have looked at the situation and said, you know what? I've tried for 12 years. I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, he might be able to fix me, but look at all the problems, all the obstacles that are between me and him. But instead, she held on to her faith, the faith that said, if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. If I can just touch him, everything will be okay. She had to fight through the crowd. And when she finally made it to Jesus, she reached out. She was close enough within an arm's length of him. She reached out and she touched his garment. And that issue that she had dealt with for the past 12 years... She probably couldn't even remember what life was like before it. In a matter of seconds, it was changed. You say, Pastor, how do I touch you? What does it take? You had to press through the crowd. You say, what's the crap?" You may or may not know that I am a huge baseball fan. And I, there's basketball, there's football, and there's baseball. I see the look on some of your faces. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. <laughs> but I, I get to go to, to quite a few games. And I've known people who go to quite a few games. But there have been four occasions that I've been in the stands and that I've got a foul ball. I'm not talking about just a player. You know, I've had players toss us one for our daughter. But I'm talking about real live foul ball. There's people that have went to games for years and, and never had one even close to them. Four times it's happened to me. But there's two times that I remember specifically. I think it was two summers ago we went with a group here from church and, and our kids pastor pastor steve he's a big giants man y'all pray for him <laughs> how you can be from boyd county kentucky and like san francisco giants makes no sense to me right. that's another story right. so we go up there and we uh, there are a bunch of cheap states so we're sitting in the top row and we're sitting there, and, and, and there's a plexiglass right in front of me, but we're way up. Now I go to a lot of baseball games, and, and, and very rarely do you see a foul ball hitting to the upper deck, especially where we were sitting. We were right behind home plate, so we're sitting there. and I'm stuffing my face, and and uh, you know, just looking around, enjoying the atmosphere of, of baseball. Did I mention it's a great sport? (laughs) And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching, and all of a sudden, the batter swings, and the ball, it's headed straight for me. Upper deck. And I kid you not, all I had to do was stretch out my hand, just like that. I didn't even have to move it. And it hit right in my hand and I caught it. I went to that baseball game. I never expected for that to happen. But it did. Now there was another time. I'm so glad he's here this morning. I love telling this story. It gets more embellished every time I tell it. And if you think I embellish it, you should hear him tell it. (laughs) <laughs> Pastor Rick, we went to a baseball game, and I was a little bit younger then. Had a little bit more hair. He did too. So we were there with a bunch of people, and there's another foul ball. Now, this time it wasn't right at me. As a matter of fact, it was probably two or three people down. But I saw that ball. And me being the nice, meek guy that I am, wouldn't hurt anybody. When I saw that ball, I knocked him. That's probably why he has back trouble today. I knocked him for a loop. There was nothing that was going to stop me. There was nobody that was going to come between me and that baseball going home with me. Why? Because I wanted it. And I got it. He tried to give me some sob story about never getting one. I said, I don't care.
3: This is mine.
2: <laughs> when you think about your life, there are moments when God's going to touch you. You're not even going to expect it. You may have walked, you go into a situation. You're not even looking for it. And it's all of a sudden, God touches you. And you're blessed. And then there's other moments that the circumstances aren't favorable for you touching him. For you to, to go to where he is. And what it comes down to, once again, is desire. I wanted that baseball for my collection. And can I tell you that? It, Touching God is a whole lot more important than me getting that baseball. That baseball was just something that was temporary because to be honest, I gave it away. <laughs> Not to him. There <laughs> was a kid in our youth group. It's where my heart was. Amen. I looked at him and said, Go buy you a baseball.
3: <laughs>
2: this poor kid, I gave it to him. So it wasn't, it, it was just the fact that I wanted it, but it was only temporary. But a touch from God, it'll last forever. When he looked at this woman and said, Your faith has made you whole, I can promise you she never dealt with that situation on another day in her life. Why? Because one touch from Jesus changes. There's no doubt that there's some people who walked through those doors back there this morning. There's some people watching online that that, that you're in the situation right now. And you've been asking God, when are you going to touch me? And I believe God would say to you today, press through the crowd, press through the obstacles. Don't worry about the shame that you have. Don't worry about what other people think about you. Press through the crowd. Touch me. And if you can get as desperate as that woman was, she was tired of her life. She was tired of the direction that it was heading. And she became so desperate. And she said, I'm going to do whatever I can do to get to him. Rest in, I'm gonna ask you to bow your head. There's two things I'm gonna ask. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm doing all I can do to follow Him. I know that He's with me. But I need His presence manifested in my life. I need something to change. I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I need something to change. I need to touch Him. Anyone else? Thank you. Now I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to believe the point. Because I believe that God wants to do something. As we lean in to hear Him and to touch Him. You know what it takes to touch somebody? You have to be close. You have to be close. The same thing is with God. How do I touch Him? It's not close to Him. Fall on your face. Say, God, I'm desperate for you. Well, what will other people think? Yeah, you passed it. And God says, if you will ask me, I will show up. <laughs> so if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, I'm going to ask you. It's it's a little easier if everybody's head bowed. It's it's easy to slip up your hand. Because that doesn't really take you. That's just you getting past yourself. But I'm going to ask you as as I pray and it begins to sing. If you need prayer. If you need to touch God. I'm going to ask you to take another step. Step out, come to this altar, and cry out to Him. You say, Pastor, does it have to be at the altar? No. But there's two things you have to get past. Shame and scorn. And by stepping out and kneeling down, you're saying, God, I don't care what's in my past. I'm only concerned about what you can do in my life. And you're saying, God, I don't care what the person sitting beside me thinks. I don't care what the pastor thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. I need a touch from you. So as I pray, don't hesitate. God wants to do something in your life. Just like that moment that I went for the baseball, the reason that I did that was because I felt in my heart, this may be my last chance. That may be the last time that I get a chance to get a baseball. And this is not a scare tactic, but it's just truth. You standing here today, it could be your last chance to touch him. It could have been this woman's last chance to touch him. So don't let the enemy talk you out of getting your touch and touching him. If you're to the point that you want and you're desperate for change, then as I pray, I'm going to ask you to come. And I believe that God's going to do something in your life and that you will leave here today because your faith has made you whole. Father, I come before you right now. God, I'm thankful for your Holy Spirit, for the presence that we feel in this place. God, I know that there are people in this auditorium today.